Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good morning, church. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 18. If you're visiting Christ Church this morning, my name is Mark. We're glad you're with us this weekend and uh, hope that you uh, will join us in worship and just praise Jesus uh, as a part of what we're doing here today and refresh our minds around this. As you are giving your generosity to help advance the kingdom throughout the world, uh, we appreciate it. And uh, as you turn to Luke 18, there was a preacher who considered himself somewhat witty, and he would often leave amusing notes at the houses of people who he went to visit on and they weren't home. He would jot something cute or funny and stick it in the door, and uh, he enjoyed doing that. And one day he stopped by a widow's house to check on her, one day, and he saw the lights on in the house, so he walked up to the door and he knocked and no one answered. So he went around to the back to her garden area where she thought she might be working in her flowers, and no one was there. So he grabbed one of his little cards out of his uh, uh, day timer at the time, and he, he wrote these words, Dear Helen, Revelation two or 321, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come in to eat with them and they with me. Sincerely, Pastor. And he was pretty self-satisfied with that little note and walked away and went about his business. And next week after church on Sunday, he came out and there was a note card under the windshield wiper of his vehicle. It said, Dear Pastor, Genesis 3.10, I heard the sound of you in my garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Sincerely, <laughs> Helen. <clears throat> if you don't laugh, I'm unemployed. Thank you. In Luke chapter 17, where we were last week, you might remember that Jesus talked about the, the here and not yet, the now and not yet kingdom. And they were asking him, when is your kingdom coming? When, what can we, when is it going to happen? When is it going to explode and all the promises come true? And Jesus said, no, it's here and you're missing it. But they weren't missing it because he kept it hidden. They were missing it because they wouldn't open their eyes to who he was. Remember, the kingdom is only as valuable as the king. So he told his disciples that through the cross and through the suffering and through the sacrifice and through the promises of the prophecies and through the miracles, you'll know who I am. And when you know who I am, you'll realize the kingdom is now here and it's exploding in our midst. And God had given them a warning about be careful that you don't miss it. Pay attention. Get yourself ready because not only is it here, but it's going to come in power. And when it comes, like lightning across the sky, everyone will know And that'll be the moment you either have lived for or the moment you regret. So is it a lost cause, what we're doing here? He's promised to come and he hasn't. Life's discouraging. We follow Jesus. We do the best we can at the end of some of our weeks. We're like, what advantage is there to be a follower if we're waiting and waiting and it's getting worse and worse and darker and darker? Luke 18, verses 1 through 5. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Listen to what he's telling us. In light, this is very important. Last week's message builds into this week. They're not separated. Yeah, they are by a chapter, but the chapter is not in the original book that Luke wrote. Those are things we put in there to index moments in time. But here we have this this moment where he says, I'm going to tell you a story because I don't want you to, to give up. While you're waiting for the fullness of the kingdom, I don't want you to get discouraged and quit. Verse 2, he said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. 
For a while he refused, but after for a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Jesus draws two characters, reminds us of where we were two weeks ago in the story of Lazarus and the rich man, how he compared these two men and used them as an illustration of what happens to those who don't live their life intentionally. He does something very similar here. Two main characters, he's contrasting. There's a woman and a man. That doesn't mean as much in our culture as it would in his. You're going to see the difference here. The man is powerful. The woman is powerless. The man is prosperous and the woman is poor. He has power in place. She's in a very humble position, needing whatever leverage she can find. The judges of those days would be very much like old-time marshals out west. They were appointed by Rome... And Rome gave them one thing to do, keep the peace. Whatever it costs, keep the peace. In other words, if you have to kill someone to keep the peace, that's how you keep peace in Rome. If someone's in the way of the Roman government, get rid of them. That's how you keep peace. And so they didn't have to abide by any rule book. They didn't have to answer to anybody but Rome. Whatever kept the peace for Rome was good enough. And Jesus paints a picture of a woman with no power, no authority, and no leverage going before a man who Jesus even describes in the story to take us deeper into the heart of it. This guy doesn't care about God, and he doesn't care about man. In other words, he doesn't care what's right, and he doesn't care what you think. And I don't know about you, but that's the definition of a dangerous man. If they don't care what God thinks or what you and I think, they'll do whatever they want to get whatever they want. And this is the culture that this widow needed justice The only person who could give her justice was this judge. Because he had no moral or ethical standing, her opportunities were slim. See, I did some research on women in the culture of Jesus a few years ago, and I discovered this. Many widows were not given status for justice in the legal system. In other words, she couldn't get a hearing. And the judge didn't care what her condition was. It didn't bother him. She had no status. And second of all, uh, I read that When a husband passed away, there was no guarantee that his widows would get his possessions. A judge could rule that she doesn't deserve those and she wouldn't have them. That's why in the Old and New Testament, you'll read repeatedly that God says how we care for those who can't care for themselves, how we care for those who are disenfranchised and how we're not given their rights and not protected and and not provided for, that we, God's people, take care of them. That's why we take seriously taking care of the orphans and foster kids in our area. It's why we try to take care of those people that are hurting through right here, right now, and provide for them a means by which they can have what they can't get for themselves. This is part of God's plan. What I really want you to know, when Jesus told the story of a tragic widow, his audience would have understood that's exactly what he's talking about. And here's the key. She has to have her request to survive. If this judge doesn't provide for her, she does not make it. That's why I've entitled today's sermon, I Have Nowhere to Go. She has no other options. This is her only hope. Something is always being said of significance when Jesus talks about the poor, the outcast, and the forgotten. He's making a point about how his kingdom is known when the poor, the outcast, and the forgotten are provided for. There were three ways for this woman to pursue justice. She could pay off the judge, but she probably had no money. She could threaten the judge, but she had no leverage. Or she could wear him out with unyielding persistence. 
Now, see, in a room like this, it's fun for me because one half of this room, and I don't know who you are, but you're the kind of person that goes into a restaurant, and if the food's not what you actually ordered, you don't say anything. You're just like, oh, it's fine. I'll just eat it. If you ordered a steak medium well and you got it rare, you're just like, I'll just, I'll take out a match. It's good. Don't, don't make a scene. You ordered sweet tea and they gave you unsweet tea and you just drink it or ask for sugar. You don't want to make a stink. You're the kind of person that if you turn in a coupon and even if it's a good coupon and the person goes, it's not working, you're like, oh, I'm sorry to bother. And then the rest of you. You're the kind of person who takes a coupon that's expired and somehow get them to take it. You're the person that orders a hamburger, complains about it and gets prime rib. You just don't take no for an answer. There's a person in my world who's just like this. Uh, I like to affectionately call her mom. <laughs> I had to learn at a very young age, there were certain things she would not let go of. She was like a snapping turtle. Once she bit down, only God could remove the jaws. <clears throat> and I learned that by watching my father, who's a very, he's a, he's a strong, independent man. But I saw him buckle flat-out surrender. thought I was in Geneva. That man would just roll over. And I'm looking at him like, Dad. And he's like looking at me like, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> She's going to win. Persistence. Now, what I love about my mom is her persistence was always of benefit to everybody. It wasn't selfish. She didn't use her power for evil at all. But, man, there were certain points. And I realize that now it's like when she asks me two or three times if I'm going to do something, I'm probably going to end up doing it. Because she just won't give up until I give in. Some of you are like that, aren't you? Now, if your spouse is that way, don't look at them right now. And if you're not looking at them, I know who they are. All right. And then others, we just don't like attention drawn to us, and we'd rather not argue about it. And and What's the price of peace? Whatever it takes. And other people in this room are like, shoot, I'm going to win. And so in this story, you have a woman who has no choice but to be persistent. She can't leverage herself to get justice. She can't pay to get justice. She has none of the means everybody else has. She's simply reliant on her persistence to wear the judge down. Because he doesn't care about what God thinks. And he sure as heck doesn't care about what you and I think. He's a law unto himself. And then Jesus gives us a twist in the story. This is where Jesus wants you and I to see something here. He says, because she has no power and no leverage and no authority and no chance, she's persistent, she's persistent, and finally the judge says, I give. And I I love the explanation Jesus uses in the story. He's not a real man, but he's portraying this image. He's like, I don't care. I don't care if she's right or wrong. I don't care anything about this. She is wearing me to the bone. So I give in. In fact, some translations, it's funny. It says, she's beating me up or she's blackening my eye. She is just pummeling me to no end. And what Jesus is pointing out about this woman is she's relentless because without her requests for justice, she dies. She's desperate. She's determined. It's purposeful. She just doesn't want to win an argument. She's trying to stay alive. And knowing that she will not cease, the judge gives in. Second point I want to make this morning is that we're being shown here by Jesus that we're It's a call to persistent faith. What he's asking us to do is to have a relentlessness to our faith that's interesting. Let's read verses 6 through 8. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. 
So is Jesus' story telling us on this Thanksgiving weekend, is Jesus saying that if you want to get something from God, you have to wear him out? That you have to hammer him and hammer him and hammer him till he's like, for the love, stop. Is that what God is saying? Or Jesus is telling us about God? No, this is not a comparison. He's not saying that you wear God out in prayer, and the more you pray, the more God has to do. If you get God's arm far enough up his back, he'll cry, uncle. No, what Jesus is saying is the opposite. He's saying that we can wear one another down with persistence when we just don't give up and we don't give in. But we don't have to do that with God. Do you hear the good news? Because you don't have to go to a God who's who's a, a justice who doesn't care about justice and he doesn't care about people. We go to a father who cares about both. Our God cares about what's right. Our God cares about each one of us. And Jesus says, no, you can go to him. And if the judge will finally give in because he's worn out, won't God speedily respond to anybody who comes as a child? This is a parable of of contrast, not a parable of comparison. And it connects to what we talked about last week, that we're told some key principles here, that the kingdom is now but not yet, that we're beginning to taste like we did all week long. We're beginning to taste the holiday food, and isn't it a good season to be eating? I think between Thanksgiving and Christmas is the best kind of food. And we're beginning to taste it now, and I'm hearing about people baking, and my heart leaps. Such a season. And yes, we have a month until Christmas, so we're all trying to save money, but at the end of the day, the sugar cookies are coming. The brownies are out. I'm not getting no amens. What are you people, still full? Man, the church I normally preach at would be salivating right now. But the truth is, we're tasting now what's coming, and we're excited about what's coming because God is giving us a taste of it now. And Jesus says, you have to understand that without God, you don't survive. And if you're not pleading with God in prayer, if you're not talking with God in prayer, if you're not bringing what you can't do for yourself before God in prayer, you're missing out on the only power that can provide it. Like this judge who this woman needed, God is what we need, and God is not blowing us off or ignoring us. He's listening. If we seek him relentlessly, if we just love and serve him. You see, we are called to pray not because it gets us what we want, We are called to pray because it reminds us of the God we already have. I want you to think about that with me. This is not going to be a high-pressure sermon, but you need to pray, and and here's how many minutes a week you need to pray, and and here's how you need to pray, because most of us have this picture from growing up in church that prayer is in a dark room by ourselves with a pained look on our face, on our knees. We've been there for 45 minutes, and we're talking, 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 we're saying the right things, and God's in heaven pleased because we gave the formula, and everything worked out, and God's like, you do care. Now go back with your life. That's not prayer. I have a friend that I have a conversation with periodically, and I love him for this because we'll be talking, and he'll say... Tell me something good, and I'll tell him something good's happening in my family's life or the ministry or something like that. Every time I tell him something good, he's like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. I'm like, he's praying while I'm talking. His prayer is not a separate entity of his life. It's this constant conversation he's having with God, and it just amazes me. Like, in the middle, he'll hear something good, and thank you, Lord. Thank you. Bless you. One time we were standing, uh, talking in town, and an ambulance went by, and he put his hand right in the center of my chest because I was yapping about something. He put his hand there. He goes, wait a second. He goes, Father, wherever he's going, get him there quick. It's like, wow. That's a running conversation with a God who's not too far away. Versus 
What many of us think when I talk about prayer, what you hear me saying because of your background is, no, no, you have to stop your entire world and make yourself, punish yourself with prayer. No. Prayer is a dialogue between a father who loves his son and a father who loves his daughter. See, we are called to pray not because it gets us what we want. We're called to pray so we can be reminded of the God we already have. This is what Jesus wants to show us in the contrast, that we must not give up. Remember Lot's wife? She gave up because she fell in love with the things of the world, and when the opportunity came for her to make a choice and be persistent in her faith, she quit. She died. And Noah, who had an opportunity to give up and quit, finished the ark, got in the ark, and was taken by God's salvation to receive what he never would have deserved if he hadn't obeyed. Remember Lot's wife, remember Noah, because Jesus told us this story so we wouldn't quit. See, in Luke 18, 8, Jesus continues, However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When Jesus returns, will he find faith? Will he find people that have waited patiently? I learned something growing up, and so if you don't know and you're visiting, I'm one of four boys, I'm the third. And so I grew up watching my two older brothers make good choices and bad choices and learning a lot from those. But I learned something about my parents that was interesting. That if I went and asked my mom, and I'm talking about a privilege, I'm not talking about, can I eat? And they're like, no, it wasn't like that. But if I want an extension to my curfew, or if I want to borrow my dad's truck, or I wanted to go do something, or could I have $5 to go roller skating as a kid, I would, I would always go to mom. She was a soft touch. Now, my mom could be really quick, too, because she, she ran the budget. And if I could say, mom, could I have $7 to go skating? She'd be like, no, we don't have it. And it was over. There was no appealing to the higher court. It was done. But every now and then, my mom would waffle for a second. She'd go, go ask your father. And I learned that when mom deferred to dad, she was for it. But she didn't want to cause a fight. She didn't want to make the decision without him knowing, so she would send me my father. Now, my father could be really frustrating because he's a very kind man. In fact, he gave us too much. But every now and then, I would ask my dad for this privilege, this extra thing. I didn't quite have to have it to survive, but it would be nice if I had it. And I would ask my dad, and he wouldn't answer. For 45, 60 seconds, he would just sit there. Now, I learned, don't ask again. He heard me. Because if I was Mark, and I was like, Dad, can I have $5? He'd be like, no, because I irritated him. But if I waited it out, if I just let that time work, let Dale percolate on this thing, then my dad would look at me every now and then, and he'd go, okay, but he always gave stipulations. Extended curfew, okay, but here's what's going to happen. My dad's rule was you had to be in the house at midnight. If you weren't in the house at midnight, you had to be at somebody else's house. So if I say, we're going to be watching a movie at Dave's, can I stay out till one? It's, it's on, you know, back on movie televisions a thousand years ago. It's on at 11 o'clock, it won't end till one. My dad's like, okay, but you call the house when you're leaving there. He would give me these extensions, are you tracking with me? I had to let my dad process it. And what I learned is if I learned to wait, there was a much greater chance of blessing than when I forced the issue. And I wonder for how many of us, if we don't get frustrated with prayer because we're impatient with God's silence, instead of trusting that he's wise and good, we try to hurry him along. Or maybe he didn't understand how much we wanted it, right? So God, I'm going to keep telling you over and over, this is a big deal, and we start bartering. If you let me have this, then I'll stop doing this. Or if you let me have this, then I'll start doing this. And God's like, shh. Every now and then I would ask my dad for something, and sometimes I'd wait a day, and I'd think, okay, time's up. Dad, what do you think about what I asked? And he's like, oh, I didn't answer you? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. He's like, yeah, your mom and I talked about it. You can. 
It was such a blessing to wait for it to play out. And here's what Jesus is saying. My kingdom, you're tasting it now, but my kingdom's coming in its fullness. If you will wait patiently and trust me the entire time you're waiting, and you'll bring every concern you have to me, I won't get irritated with you. You won't blacken my eye. I love you, and I want to bless you, but I will not give you something that's not a blessing, and I will not give you a blessing before it's time. Can we trust that? Because Jesus wants us to know who we're talking to, and he can be trusted. In fact, when Jesus says, will, there, will I find faith on earth? One commentator wrote this, and I love his line. He said, this is the only question in all the Bible that we can answer better than Jesus. Will we wait on him with persistent faith, even when we want to quit and have reason to quit? Will we trust that the now is not as important as the then and the promises of God? Because I want you to just notice again, if you still have your Bibles open, You can look at it for yourself in verse 1. Jesus, this is why he told us the story. So we would not lose heart and we would always pray. See, there is nothing more important in life than to fight for our faith. It will be the thing that one day Jesus is going to return and some of us are going to wish we'd done something and others of us are going to be so grateful that we trusted and that even when it was difficult, even when there were moments of discouragement, we held on to the truth, as, as Dr. Keller says, that either God is wise and he is good or he is neither. And the reason you and I won't wait on God is we will have concluded he doesn't know what he's talking about or he can't be trusted. And yet if we, if we trust his wisdom and we hold on and trust his promises, we'll find out he's wise and good. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said it simply this way, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What does that mean? It means trust his promises and trust his methods. Righteousness means to live out the right way, to live your life at peace with God and at peace with one another. So if we we seek first his kingdom that's coming, that's already here and exploding around us, and we trust God's methods, we trust his wisdom and we trust his faithfulness, all things will be given. See, prayer is not a formula. It's about our faith. It's about a running conversation with the God that we have. And there's, I I just so much want to be a teacher here and say, here's three things you can do if you're not praying. And I'm stopping myself every 30 seconds. Because you know how to have a running conversation with yourself. I have it all the time. Mark, why did you say that again? Oh, you really want to eat that, Mark? I have these conversations going on all the time. And yet I found that I can also have the same conversation with God where I'm walking going, God, I don't know what to say right now. Or someone will knock on my door and they have that serious look and they're like, do you have a few minutes? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And the minute they close the door, I say to God, please give me wisdom to help in some way. And I found that instead of closing my eyes and folding my hands, if I just enter into the presence of God and walk with him like my friend who says, thank you, Lord, thank you, thank you. I can just understand his presence and live trusting him. Then when it comes to matters of obedience, I say, God, give me hope. Give me strength. And when it comes moments of conflict, I say, God, give me your peace. Allow me to be above this. You see how this works? It's just living out your trust in who he is. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul told this church, continue steadfastly in prayer. Always be thinking. Chad did such a good job this morning at the Lord's table talking about remembering Bringing to mind, consider the lilies of the field. Consider the birds of the air. Consider who Jesus is every step of your journey. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, Paul told the church, be watchful, stand firm. Be aware, remember 
Lot's wife. Remember Noah's deliverance. Be watchful. Stand firm. In 1 Timothy 6, he said, fight the good fight of the faith until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is going to take work. Nothing ever accomplished in life was easy. Theodore Roosevelt, one of my favorite quotes of his, Theodore Roosevelt said, history will record no person who did not pay a great price to be remembered. It costs something to make a difference. It costs something to hold on to the faith. The world will discourage us and distract us. Remember Lot's wife, who was distracted. But remember Noah's faith that delivered him. And which will we choose? To be distracted by the things of the world or to hold on to the faith in who Jesus Christ is? You see, this morning, there are people in this room that are tired. There are people in this room who are broken. There are people who are sad. And there are people who are scared. And here's the good news. The Bible makes fun of none of you. In fact, the Bible has the consolation you're seeking. You're broken. You're sad. You're scared. You're defeated. You're tired. You're weary. You're welcome here. In fact, I'm glad you're here because there's a, the gospel brings hope that even when God is silent in his decision-making, he's not waiting to make a wise decision. He's already made the decision, and he will bless in the proper time, and he will always bless in the proper way. See, we draw near to God in prayer, and we trust God most in obedience. You see, you'll never obey without a prayerfulness, without an awareness, without considering who Jesus Christ is. So today we're going to pray. And it's going to be slightly awkward, but even if you're a guest here this morning, we'd love for you to participate, but I'm not going to be counting, and this isn't a a verdict on whether or not this sermon works. But it's ridiculous of me to talk about praying and us walk out of here and not do it. So this morning, here's what I want to invite you to. You are free to respond each and every time. There is no limit. And you're going to respond this morning, but not by saying anything, but by simply standing wherever you are in the room. And there's going to be three kinds of prayers that we're going to offer today. And I'm going to ask you as I read these to stand if you are such and such or thinking such and such or feeling such and such. And you can stand wherever you are in the room. And I know that's intimidating right now as fire to stand up in front of this group and admit that you're struggling or you're searching or you need help. But I'm telling you, just like the woman in the story, when you realize that God is your only solution, nothing will stop you. And I'm going to ask those of you that if when I, when I state what this kind of prayer is like, if it's not for you, there's no judgment. I'm not going to be noticing who's not standing. But I'm going to ask that what you can do as a brother and sister in Christ is if someone around you stands, notice them and pray for them while they stand and, and, and give them a week of your support and encouragement. You may not even know their name. Lady in the yellow shirt stood up. I may just pray to God. Do you know that lady in the yellow shirt? Because he does. I'm going to pray that you strengthen her heart and her courage today, that she'll stand firm and not grow weary and quit. These responses are not for publicity. They're for testimony. And so this morning, let's begin. I would ask you to stand today if you're struggling with prayer because you have prayed, you've tried to pray, and it's frustrating. And you've grown tired and weary, but you know God is alive, and you want to return to trusting him and his goodness, and you want to fight through this and stand firm and fight the good fight of faith all the way to the finish. If that's you this morning, if you're tired and weary and prayer has been something you've tried before and you're just not sure if it's for you, but you'll try again because you hear Jesus and you trust Jesus. Would you stand wherever you are in the room?
See, people stand because at the end of the day, faith is hard work. It takes trust. You see people around you standing in this room are showing courage. It's hard to admit I'm not good at what Jesus asks me to do, but listen, Jesus knows we'll never be good at what he asks us to do. It takes courage. It takes strength. So we're going to pray a blessing on these folks. And if, if you're close to them and love them and you know them, grab their hand, put your hand on their shoulder. And if you surround them today, let's look and let's pray for folks who want to pray and are struggling with it. Father God, we thank you that you give us this means of communication that we as your creatures can call the creator of the universe. Father, you see these brothers and sisters standing here this morning who they've tried or they've never tried and don't even know how to start, but they know that you care and they hear Jesus say that you are a loving father. You're not, you're not this harsh judge sitting in a chair saying, I can't be bothered by these things. In fact, you're saying, no, my child, sit with me, talk with me, share your heart with me and trust me because, Father, we don't pray to get what we want. We pray to get more of you. And I pray a, a life-giving spirit in their prayer time. I pray that it would be a conversation they could have with anybody they know, but respectfully come into your presence and remind themselves of who you are. Give them the courage to pray by faith so they can walk by faith. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd ask you to stand today if you're being led by the Holy Spirit to commit to pray for somebody in the world who is not readying themselves for the return of Jesus. Let me restate this. If someone's on your heart right now, that when you hear Jesus say, remember Lot's wife and remember the story of Noah and the ark, remember the promises given and and your heart is hurting for a spouse or a child or a loved one or someone you work with, a, a dear friend who you know is not readying themselves for the return of Jesus. And instead of sitting in judgment on them, your heart breaks that they don't understand his love, they don't understand his mercy and they don't feel his calling. If there's someone in your world right now who's struggling with this, would you stand wherever you are in the room, on behalf of them. Once again, if you're someone around them who loves the person standing, you may know who they're standing for or you may not. Reach over and grab their hand or just put your hand gently on their shoulder. We're a family here and we're for each other. And let's pray. Father, for those who are represented in this room who are loved, not loved through judgment, but loved through your mercy and your promises. God, each one of us who stands knows how much we're loved by you and we're grateful for that. We want those that we love to understand that too and to be freed from this world, to, to have Jesus, to have hope and to have a relationship with you that's freeing and promising and beautiful and we're tasting it now, but it's gonna explode like a beautiful flower and it's gonna be something that brings us to tears and we want each and every person. God, you know the names on the hearts of every person standing in this room right now. God, we celebrate in advance for what you're going to do and how many of these are going to accept your mercy and become children in the kingdom who honor the king. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The last thing I want to pray for is very distinct. And it falls in line with Luke 17 and Luke 18. I'd ask you to stand this morning if you've realized you've fallen into a period of being distracted. We talk about this kind of thing every week here. 
But like Lot's wife, you're seeing the things of the world, and I'm just going to confess right now, as your pastor, I'm not standing here because I'm talking, I'm standing here for this prayer request. That there are certain things in life that entertain me and certain things in life that I enjoy and they're distractions from the everyday stress and pressure we all feel. And I have fallen so in love with them being my satisfaction that so many times I don't turn to God and I don't let God be the satisfying thing in my life. It's always a new series on television I want to watch or a good book I want to read or a ball game that I want to keep track of or my team has to win and I'm Lot's wife. I'm supposed to be following Jesus and I spend so much time looking over my shoulder wondering what I've left behind. So today I'm going to ask you to stand if you've fallen into a period of being distracted and the truth of your heart says I'm not preparing myself for the return of Jesus by living as if his return is today and instead I'm living my life with everything the world says I need to be happy and deep down inside I'm not. Stand today if you need to repent of being distracted by this world and you want to give your focus back and ask God to fill your heart with the things that matter that last for eternity on behalf of everyone in your life. If that's you this morning, would you join me by standing? See, the one thing I know that Satan hates is when we get how good the gospel is. And I'm celebrating that this morning. If you love the people standing around you and you know their story, grab their hand, place a hand on their shoulder and bless them as we pray. Father, help us not to be distracted any longer by the things that aren't going to last. And God, the good thing is most of the things that are distracting us right now aren't bad. They're not evil. They're just things that you gave us to be a blessing, but they became these little idols we worship instead of you. And we stand here this morning in a time of prayer, realizing that you're a good father who says, I know. But when we tell you that we're broken and empty and hurting, you don't respond with judgment like you deserve it. Instead, you respond with, but I love you and I've forgiven you and you are mine. You call us by name and you value us and we are known. God, I pray for each and every person standing and even those who aren't, that the things that are keeping our eyes off of Jesus, that we might consider him this day and place all of those things behind us, never to look back, but to accept what you've given us in Jesus as our hope. As the woman in the story needed this to survive, we need you. God, refresh our minds as we enter into the Advent season and the birth of Jesus. Refresh our minds with what a gift we have in Christ. And these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like the rest of you to join us by standing as we enter into a time of musical worship. And around this room are four tables with lamps lit. Some of our elders and staff are at those tables right now. And if you'd like someone to walk with you further and to pray specifically for something, please. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, please come to one of our tables. We'd love to have a conversation with you about what it means to make Jesus king of your life. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.